Moncrief on News Talk. Time to look at some stories from other parts of the globe. Jonathan de Burke Butler joins us once again. Afternoon, Jonathan. Sean, how are you? Uh, right, San Francisco we're going to go to first, uh, specifically the Golden Gate Bridge. You'd have thought they'd have got a, a, a net before now. You would have, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Golden Gate Bridge has to be the most famous bridge in the world, uh, I'd say, or one of them at least. And it's been around since 1937. It's not actually that old. Um, mm. But in that time... About 2,000 people have been known to jump from the bridge and yeah. into the San Francisco Bay. And um, there's quite extensive studies of it, actually, if you, if, you, if you look it up on the internet. And they have they have maps of where people jump from and all sorts of weird stuff like that. And, and it's, 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 it's quite a sort of a morbid topic. So, as you're saying, you would think at this particular point in time they would have put a net up before. And indeed, they got the funding together to put the net up in 2014, but the construction wasn't started in 2018 and now it's been completed. And when I say completed, that's on approximately 95% of the bridge. I have no idea why they've left 5% of it free, uh, to be honest with you, but there you go. Um, The whole bridge is 2.7 kilometres in length, right? So it's quite quite a big project to put together. And what's interesting about it is that the netting itself is about 20 feet uh, below the pavement, right? Mm. And then it's 20 feet out from the bridge itself. And it's not a soft net. So it's 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 a hard wire kind of steel net. And the purpose of it is to deter people from jumping, right? So yeah. it's not to catch them because, of course, then it would just catch them and they'd just jump again. Yeah. Um, it's to make them look at this net and basically go, okay, I don't like the look of that because that's actually going to stop me from mm. where I want to go. And it's going to hurt, mm. uh, and I'm going to survive. Yeah. So that's it's been it's been designed in a way to kind of hurt people if they do, uh, if they do jump, and in that way, it's to get them to stop. Yeah. From jumping. I, are those things proven to be effective? They are. They are. Yeah. And and even the authorities that look after the Golden Gate Bridge are already saying that during the construction, on average, you'd have about thirty people who would jump every year, and they're saying that back in 2022, I think it was. Only fourteen people. Uh, only fourteen people attempted to jump, and um, so they're saying that it's, it was even during the construction it was already working, and 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 it seems to, uh, it seems to be the case that it does work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's a, it's a very strange run. All right. Uh, right. El Salvador. We're going to go to next. Now, murders are down seventy percent in that country. That's what they're saying. Um, this is on the back of a state of emergency that was declared in early 2022. Now, we've spoken about the, the president there, uh, President Nayib Bukele. He's in his 40s, um, would be considered right wing and he's fairly mm. hardcore when it comes to crime. But one of the things that he was elected on was the fact that he was going to get rid of gangs. And he seems to be doing that very successfully. Now, he also seems to be getting rid of human rights quite a bit as well. So these are gang people who are suspected of being members of gangs arrested straight away without warrants. They don't get lawyers. They just get flung in, in prison, mm. right? 75,000 gang, uh, alleged gang members have been arrested over the last two years. And what they're saying is that as a result, the murder rate or the number of homicides has dropped by 70% in 2023, right? So it's gone down to 154 murders committed last year, down from 495 the year before. And even more impressively, I think it was in 2021, there was 1,200 homicides and even more than that in 2000 and 2019. So this crackdown on these gangs seems to be really working. Yeah. 
And the inevitable question is, of course, all right, well, there's human rights organisations that are saying there's an abuse of human rights here mm. and this is too much. But the everyday Joe Soap or Jose Soap or whatever you want to call them <laughs> is extremely happy with what's going on here because they are able to go to work without the risk of getting shot in the head. Yeah. Uh, and, and so they are all for this. There was a poll that was done recently and 92% said they were in favour of the measures that were being taken by the president here. OK, and these gang members uh, um, who were put into prison, are, are they kept there indefinitely or is there any sort of process? There is them? there is a process and, and it appears that what so far what they've said is that of the 75,000 that have been arrested, 7,000 have been released. And the government are sort of saying, look, we're... we're Obviously, they're saying we're only arresting, you know, gang people who are, you know, uh, parts of gangs mm. and we're looking at what they're doing. And and they're saying that, you know, even people who have been, shall we say, threatened and compelled to do something for those gangs, say they, you know, they threaten to kill their family or something like that. If they don't carry out their orders, they've been released now, human rights organisations are saying, well, look, that's just not the case at all. And there are thousands of arbitrary arrests. People are being tortured uh, and, and, and there's, there's, no, um, there's, no, there's no way out of these things for people who are innocent. Yeah. But as I said, the ordinary Joe on the, on the, on the mm. street is quite happy with what's going on here. Uh, right. Uh, Argentina, we're going to go to next, where uh, suspects have been held over uh, an alleged parcel plot. What is the parcel plot? Yeah, so this is um, on the 30th of December, three men, uh, one from Lebanon, I believe, and two from Syria were arrested over a planning a terrorist act. Now, this, there's sort of um, a, a confluence, I suppose, of various different factors that's happening. And so at the moment, there's the Pan-American Maccabea Games, right? So these mm. the Maccabea Games are kind of the Olympics for Jewish people, right? They've been going okay. since 1932. They've been held in Tel Aviv and various different parts of Israel since then. And since 1966... And there's a big Jewish community in Argentina. There is a yes. huge Jewish community in mm. Argentina, exactly, right? So those games were happening at the time. And these three men came on separate planes. They met in the same hotel. They stayed in the same hotel. Information had come to the Argentinian authorities from the USA and from Israel that they were planning a terrorist attack. And one of the pieces of evidence that they had was that they were apparently waiting for an international shipment, which it said weighed 35 kilos, which was coming from Yemen. Now, the authorities didn't give any details of what was in that shipment, but they felt that you know, the sus- suspicious activities, the fact that they were in rooms that were only two blocks away from the Israeli em- embassy and the fact that um, this package was on the way, very large package, okay. Okay. Uh, was enough to go and arrest these guys. So they have, they haven't charged them, I don't think yet, um, but I think they're being detained indefinitely. And to be fair, the authorities in Buenos Aires have reason to be jittery, right? They have suffered very badly over the years. In 1992, there was, um, I think somebody drove a truck into the embassy there uh, that contained explosives and that mm. killed 90, or 29 people. And then two years later, 84 people were killed at a Jewish cultural centre. Um, Hezbollah were blamed uh, for that. And the, the fallout from that is still ongoing, in fact. Um, so they have reason to be jittery as yes, to whether they yeah. have enough to prosecute, charge and prosecute these three men is another question altogether, but they've been arrested. Yeah. Well, presumed if they intercepted this shipment, uh, that may well have uh, provided a certain amount of... Indeed. Uh, uh, well, I suppose we'll see in time. And there's no, the, there's no hint or uh, suggestion as to whether... 
these three individuals belong to any particular organisation. Not that I've seen. Not yeah, that I've seen, yeah, sure. Yeah, OK. Right, Somalia, we're going to go to uh, now, where uh, this is an interesting development on um, uh, uh, Somaliland, which is one of the federal states within Somalia, which seceded from the rest of Somalia in the 90s during the Black Hawk Down era. Spot on. Yeah. And you've saved me a little bit on my yeah. segment there, right? <laughs> so it, it involves Somalia, Somaliland, that region that you alluded to, and Ethiopia. So Somalia has no control over this area in the north called mm. Somaliland. And Ethiopia and Somaliland cut a deal and announced it on the 1st of January that Ethiopia was going to lease a 20 kilometre stretch of sea along the coastline of Somalia for 50 years. Mm. And from there... They were going to, they'd have access to the sea because Ethiopia is landlocked. Yeah. Since its war with Eritrea, it's landlocked. Um, and they need access, <clears throat> excuse me, they need access to the sea, right? So they've been going through Djibouti over the last few years. Um, so they've done this deal anyway. And Somalia, as you can imagine, aren't happy mm. because they're saying, well, Somaliland is part of our country and you're doing an international deal with it. Therefore, are you recognizing it as, an inter- as a separate international state? which, of course, no country does. Yes. Somaliland were delighted with this particular deal because they're saying that their side of it and what they're getting from it, apart from money and investment, I imagine, is international recognition from Ethiopia. Though not official recognition, I'm assuming. Eth- Ethiopia, at this point in time, have said, uh, Abiy Ahmed, who's become a very famous leader now in Ethiopia, um, has said that, we're, ha- hasn't said that they are going to recognise it. Mm, All yes, right. Yeah. But it, it, the um, propaganda from Somaliland, all of them are saying, all of their side are saying this this is putting us on the path to recognition by one country, which will put us on the path to recognition by all countries eventually. Yeah. OK, well, I suppose it's vague enough so both sides <laughs> can say they got something, you know, no, we're not recognising them. Yes, they are recognising yeah. them. So it's kind of de facto. Yeah. And, 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 and it remains to be seen what will happen. Somalia is in such a bad place, as you know, at the moment, that there's no way Mm. that this is going to trigger a war or a regional conflict at this point anyway. But what's really interesting about this is, and and what I really wanted to find out, was why, if Ethiopia already have a port just up the road in Djibouti, do they need to only go down the road to this town called Berbera, which is in in, um, Somaliland? What's the point of it? And Mm. I found out that, in fact... Uh, DP World signed a development deal with Somaliland. Now, DP World are part of a business from the United Arab Emirates. They signed a deal with Somaliland back in 2016. And two years later, Ethiopia Ethiopia took a 19% stake in that deal. The deal is worth $442 million. So rather than being surprised at this move by Ethiopia and Somaliland... I'm surprised that people are surprised, if yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. And, and DP World does what? Is it oil exploration? Uh, no, it's Somaliland not, no, might it's have not oil. oil exploration. Yeah. It does logistics and ports yeah. and all of that kind oh, of thing. Right, but, okay. but they've gone in with this investment. Effectively, the United Arab Emirates are mm. investing in Somaliland. Yes, so right. E- even though the United Arab Emirates aren't signing a memorandum of understanding with Somaliland and recognising them as an independent country, mm. they're doing a $500 million deal with them. And you're not going to invest in a place where you think all of a sudden it's going to be changing, switching from one yes, you know, yeah, political indeed. entity to another. And, and there's nothing Somalia can do about it not at thing, all. I not mean, a and thing in fact, really. they're even 
in the like as you know when I was there in in uh, November on in the west of the country mm. on the border there with Ethiopia mm. Ethiopian troops operate within Somalia and Somalia depends on them to do that because they're one of the uh, one of the forces deterring Al Shabaab away okay. from uh, um, uh, in term uh, you know IDP camps. So, so, so Somalia's reaction to this was was anger and outrage, yeah. but obviously it's just bluster. Absolutely, there's mm. nothing they can do about it. In yeah. fact, they they're depending on Ethiopia yeah. uh, more than anything else. Right, uh, Nepal. We're going to go to first, and uh, it bans mm. citizens from working in Russia or Ukraine. Yeah, so it's a strange one. This the government of Nepal has banned its citizens from travelling or working to Russia or Ukraine for employment. Uh, after 10 young men were killed and apparently hundreds, uh, over 100 more are missing. Now, apparently over 200 Nepali soldiers are, are believed to have enlisted in the Russian army. Don't know how many are in the Ukrainian army, mm. but it's less than that. And um, the government of Nepal aren't happy about it because they're having to deal with, you know, uh, missing bodies and families mm. that, you know, don't know what, what's going on. So in order to leave Nepal to go and work in other countries, you have to get a work permit from the government. And so they're not going to issue them anymore to people who want to go to Russia and Ukraine to work, inverted commas. Um, But really, I I don't know if they're going to be able to stop it because, I mean, there's people traffickers then as well who will also smuggle, smuggle people out. And if you're being promised, which Putin has done recently, I think it was only last week, he said that he would fast track citizenship for people who... Mm. come and fight on his side. I think in Cuba there's a push to recruit people there as well. I I didn't know that yet, but I assume it's going all over the world. And, um, you know, it's poverty again is at the root of it. Like Mm. in Nepal, you go off and you fight and take your risk with the Russian army for a while, you come back you know, a rich man, you know, yeah. and send, and more importantly, send money back home to your family. So yeah. that's the incentive. Uh, finally, back to the US now, uh, Florida specifically, or at least a woman in Florida, she's uh, she's outraged about, well, I suppose you could say there's sweets operating under a, a false advertising. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, that's what she's saying. Anyway, mm. this is Cynthia Kelly, who's, who's filed a five million federal class action lawsuit in a U.S. district court uh, in Florida. And she's saying that several re- of Reese's products, you know, they do the peanut Reese's butter chocolate. And all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't match their photos as depicted on the wrappers. Now, I put out a tweet at DeBurka Butler, or sorry, an X at DeBurka Butler, and there's a picture yes. of it there uh, that you can see. And the, the, the offending item, shall we say, the original offending item was... Um, a peanut butter pumpkin, I think, right? And on the photograph, you can see that there's a depiction of a chocolate. Yeah, with a and face it, on with it. With a face yeah. on it and it's all smiley. But when she took the actual chocolate out, you could see it's in the shape of the pumpkin. So they made some sort of an effort. But who was ever on the detail of, you know, carving in the face mm. forgot to do it. And so she's not happy. So she's basically went off and she found a few other products from the same company that didn't match the look on the packaging as well. And she feels it's enough to... Uh, take an action against them for the benefit of all consumers in Florida. Inevitably, yeah. it's nothing to do with getting five million quid for herself. Yeah, if she, if she wins, they give her the five million quid. Well, I, I don't know because yeah. she's taken a class action and I, from what I understand is that she's asking, and I suppose it's in an effort to win the case, the more the merrier, she's asking people to come on board with her to be part of the class action. Uh, yeah. and so she'd have to divvy up the five million quid but mm-hmm. uh, it remains to be seen how it'll pan out for them. Uh, so what should we look out for over the next week or so? Yeah, January the 11th which is Friday I think uh, South Africa brings its case against Israel to the ICJ and so there'll be hearings from South Africa on the 11th and then on the 12th Israel will get their chance to reply 
uh, there's those elections in Taiwan uh, on the 13th mm. of January, which will be very, very interesting to see. And then on the 14th, which is Monday, I believe, Queen Margarita II of Denmark is abdicating. She's handing the crown over to her son. She had a back operation there last year and she announced uh, on her New Year's Day mm. address, um, address yes. that she was going to stand down. Uh, She's cy- had enough. Cycling into the distance. Jonathan, thanks a million thanks, as Sean. ever. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.